Heavenly Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the freedoms that we have in the country that we live in, Lord. And do pray, Father, that you would continue to keep your hand upon us, Father. And I lift up those, Father, that don't have the freedoms that we have to worship God, that you would encourage them this day, Father, wherever they might be in this world, Lord. And I pray, Father, as we gather together, Lord, that you would help us to keep our minds focused and fixed upon you, Lord, and that we would walk away with something, God, that you would have for each and every one of us, God, because we know that you are all things to all people, and we thank you and we praise you for that, God, in Jesus' name, amen.
Yeah. 
Jesus. 
thank you for that truth, Lord. That your love, Father, endures forever. And it's your desire, Father, that none shall perish. God, we are living in troubled times. Father, I thank you that we can look towards Jesus. The only hope for mankind. There's no one else like you, Father. No other God. No other Lord. Father, you alone came down. And you willingly laid down your life so that we may be able to live to be reconciled to God. Forgiven of our sins, you took our punishment so that we can be at peace with our Creator. I pray, God, that we would have ears to hear today and that we would respond, Lord, Power is urgent. The Spirit and the Bride says, Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. May we be prepared, Father. May we be a people of faith and purpose. In Jesus' name. Morning, everyone. Psalms 34, verse 14. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek for peace and to work hard to maintain it. It's a verse that I've been saying since January, encouraging us and praying for us that we truly would be Christians, that we truly would live this life that Christ came to give us this liberated life, this life of freedom, this life of hope, this life of peace in a troubled world, that we would be people who could offer hope, that we would be a people who would be light, that we would be a people pointing others to Jesus, turning from evil and doing good, seeking for peace and working hard to maintain it. My heart has been heavy this week. Heavy. For us, as a fellowship, heavy for the church itself and the earth, and then heavy for our nation. I don't know if we're seeing it. I don't know if we're getting it. I've wept, and I've cried out, and I said, oh, God, help us. And then I hear reports of Christian families over in the Middle East and China being killed, being tortured, losing their homes, losing their lives watching their kids be raped before them and brutally attacked and decapitated, all for loving Jesus. 
No other reason. All for loving Jesus. And then look at us. Look at the church in the West. We can't even stand for him. We can't even stand for him. We're perverted. We're lost. We're filled with such anger and unforgiveness. We don't even have an identity. But yet, we say we bear his name. And how can that be? How can that be? Because if we're so quick to give up on him, when we're pressed up against, then what faith do we have? How can he be the miracle worker among us? How can he be the healer, the, the provider, the everything that he is if we don't believe? If we just say we bear his name, but we don't know him. And maybe it doesn't sit heavy on you, but it sits heavy on me. When I think about his love and his goodness, when I think about what he's done in my life, when I think about the man I used to be, when I think about how he set me free, how he has healed me, how he has provided, when I think of his goodness, when I think about how horrible of a man and sinner I was, and yet he revealed his love to me, I go, oh God, do we get it? Do we really get it? Like we come together every Sunday. There's people gathering all throughout our nation and, you know, worshiping. You know, rather it's a small little community, rather it's a, a building with thousands of people. And I want you to think about this. There are thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people gathering today. Claiming the name of Jesus. And our country is in the condition that it's in. Where are these thousands of people? Where are the Christians of our nation? Who stands for righteousness? Who stands for the things of God? Who upholds the, the standards of God? You know where they're at? They're enslaved to social media. They're enslaved to entertainment. They're enslaved to their own desires. And I say, oh God, help us. It's no different than what we've seen all throughout Scripture. Lest we think this is something new, it's not. It's, it's from the beginning. God created Adam and Eve. He was in fellowship with them. The Bible says he walked with them. And yet, when tempted, they gave in. A separation occurred. And as we know, it didn't take God by surprise. The purpose, the cross, the redemption, everything who Christ is, the plan was already in place. 
So when he held them accountable, and he pushed them out of the garden, and they experienced that separation through time, God's faithful to his word. He established a nation, Israel, to bring forth the Messiah. And as we've been reading and studying about Israel, you see these people, they at first have a zeal for God. And then they go into slavery and and they cry out for 400 and some odd years. They're crying out for this deliverer, this promised hope. They, they, they're seeking and they're asking God. And then finally, years, generations after generation, God brings forth of, of deliverer Moses. And God does incredible miracles among his people. He delivers them from their oppressors. And now they're finally free to be God's people. To walk with God, to commune with God, to be with God. And as soon as Moses goes up the mountain, they forget God. And remember what they were longing for? Something to worship. They wanted to connect. They wanted to feel. They, they wanted to, a sense of belonging. What happened, people? God just moved among you. Why did you give up so easily? And so they asked, and and then the religious man of the hour, Aaron, gave them and, and created this golden calf and said, Here, this is the God who led you out. And they began to worship this God. They didn't turn from evil and do what was right. They didn't seek for peace and work hard to maintain it. No, they gave in to their desires. Because that's what the Bible says. That's where sin comes from. The desires that are from within. Desiring everything and anything but God. Okay, God, we'll give you an hour and a half, maybe, on Sundays. But the rest of our week, no, 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 God. We'll walk our way. The state of our nation. Such hate, such violence, such deception and lies. And if you look at the core of what's the problem with everyone, they hate godly standards. They hate God. And I want you to understand that today. They can call it whatever they want to call it. But the reality of what people are fighting against is God. We want our lives. We want to do what we want. We want to say what we want. We want to live however we want. And who are you to tell us we can't? This is the generation that we were purposed for. You were purposed for. God thought of you. And he created you for this purpose, for this generation. So how are we as the church responding? We're dumbing down the gospel. We're not upholding the standards of Christ. We're not holding people accountable. We're dumbing it down saying, it's okay. God loves you. Act however you want. Get into whatever you want. It's all okay. 
this is coming from the church. Remember, I've warned you because we see it all through scripture. Again, there's nothing new underneath the sun. It's the same as it was then, as it is now, as it will be until his return. The enemy can do nothing new. It's his same plan and it's his same purpose to confuse people, to lie to people. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He knows nothing else but destruction. And this, unfortunately, the majority of people sitting in churches is who they're yoked to. Satan himself. Because remember Jesus even said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these religious men that people looked up to, lead us to God, tell us about God. Do you remember who Jesus said their father was? He said to them, your father is Satan. This is who's controlling you. Like you're, you're, you're watering down the truth. You've exchanged truth for lies. You've established within my temple a system that is benefiting you. And why do you think Jesus went in that temple and began to turn over tables, taking the whip out and beginning to chase people out? Because of what it became. There's a problem among the church today. We're reading the Bible. We say our prayers. We listen to sermons. We listen to worship music. But our heart isn't changing. Our heart isn't changing. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. We have to wake up. We have to wake up. Unless we're so deceived. And to thinking that we're free, and we don't know freedom at all. We're just yoked in slavery and bondage, going our way. Being led into an eternal hell. Oh, come on, preach a better sermon. Give us good news. Make us feel better. No, I'm not called to be an Aaron. I'm called to be a Moses in this generation. People, we gotta wake up. We gotta come back to God. We gotta seek Him with everything within us. We gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. Turn from evil. Do good. Seek for peace and work hard to maintain it. Uphold a standard. You are not gonna be light. People are not gonna wanna be around you, but it's okay. Because you're not looking for to please man. You're not looking for man to applaud you. No. You're looking to abide in Christ, your Lord and your Savior. Stop giving yourself away to the very ones who will only destroy you. And I want you to hear this today. And that it go, please, if you just stop what you're doing, I want you to hear if you hear nothing else today. Hear this, you are what you allow. Wake up! You are what you allow. Every day you get up and you're complaining and you're murmuring and you're fault finding. You curse, you lie. Your homes are out of order. 
Your hearts are out of order. There's such division and strife, and you can't even say nothing good about anyone. You want people to do for you, do for me, do for me, do for me, and God forbid if someone doesn't show up and do for you, you turn on them. And you're raising your kids to be just like you. I came to church to hear a better message. We'll go to another church. Something is wrong. Something is wrong. When I'm up here preaching the gospel, when I'm ministering with others, encouraging others, and chaos is going down downstairs. People are up and about, left and right, in and out. Cursing in this home. Mumbling under their breath. Listen, I don't force any of y'all here to come. But one thing I want to say today is you can't respect God. Don't please don't come. If you think you're going to come up in this house and wreak havoc, I don't even allow my own family to do that. Right, Christian? My own family. Right, Michelle? They don't come up in here and act foolish. And you all are supposed to be my family. The family of faith. And we're running amok. And my poor wife is exhausted. It's got to stop. All the backbiting and the gossiping and the, and the words that are spoken to each other and about each other and about me and about my wife and about the church. I said, God, if they open their mouth up again, and curse me or curse anyone of this fellowship, God bring them down so severely. <laughs> you say, was that how to pray? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I want you humbled. <laughs> that all you would do is cry out for God. You sit here with such an anger look on your face, all jacked up. And it's a living God that we're talking about. A holy God. A holy God. One upholds standards for others. But don't even have standards for yourself. We gotta stop playing. We gotta stop playing. We gotta stop playing. So offended. That's not what the gospel of freedom offers. That's not the message of Christ. Your heart is to be transformed. Not perfect, but transformed. There should be a softening. There should be an awakening of the things of God. There should be a hunger and a thirst. But you don't know what they did to me. So abusive. So destructive. We tear down the youth. Because we 
have even dealt with the issues of our lives. And our kids sitting in this room and our young adults sitting in this room are the bearer of your image of pain and hurt and destruction. And then we want to yell at them. Then we want to tell them how horrible they are. Then we want to go after them. And yet, God is saying, no, don't live that way. Don't act that way. Come this way. Come to the way of life. Be healed. Be restored. And then in your restoration, make your amends with those that you have hurt. Make your amends. As I have made my amends with you, make your amends. Live a life that reflects wholeness and peace. Live a life that reflects a restoration. Live a life that reflects the redemptive work of Christ on the cross and in the power of his resurrection. To say, no, I am born again of a new nature. I'm no longer that man. I'm no longer that woman. I have been set free by the power of God. I have been, and, and, and I've been given the Holy Spirit who resides within me that draws me to himself. And I willingly lay my life down because God, you are God. I'm not. I'm not. The gospel of freedom. I heard this man talk about it this week. Three things that the gospel of freedom provides. Number one, humility. (laughs) To be in relationship with God, the evidence that your life has been marked and transformed by the power of God is a level of humility. (laughs) Not I, but you. (laughs) See, the church, you're to think of others better than yourself. You're to serve freely. You don't let others go before you. You're to care and be compassionate. You're to take on peace. Turning from evil and doing good. No, no, you go. How may I serve you? How may I love you today? Humility. Humility. Not demanding your rights. Not being so easily offended and angered. But there's a way to live. There's a way to live. The second one is unity. Because from humility leads unity. Like we link arms together. We're not going to do it the way the world does it because that's not how the church moves. The church doesn't move in the natural realm and the, and the things that we can see. No, the church, she's the bride of Christ. She is born of a new nature. And now we move in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We look up instead of looking out. We don't get distracted. I'm not distracted. My heart isn't heavy because it's a bad thing. It's heavy because it's a good thing. Thank God. But there's a power in unity. Jesus himself prays for it. He gives us what we need to live this godly life. All throughout the New Testament. 
the majority of the letters that are written is to correct the church, to bring them back to her understanding of who she is and who she belongs to. Not being affected by the things of this world. Not acting like the world. Not looking like the world. Not seeking the world. We're to be a strange people to the world. Because we're living differently. We're unified. What marks the church? How do they know that we belong to him? By our love for one another. Not for how big the church is. Not for about what type of, any type of ministries or any other programs or anything else of the church. No, what it boils down to is love. Do you love each other? It all starts with loving the Lord your God first with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your body, with all of your strength. Loving God and receiving His love and His forgiveness. Realizing that the Creator, the, the, the God, you all, has made a way for you to be reconciled to Him. To be at peace with Him. The God of all creation. The very one who speaks. And items are formed. He's the God who longs to be with you. He willingly gave up his son. Not so he could be turned into a religion. Not that all of a sudden man gets their hands on it and begins to form a religion. No, but the freedom that is found in Christ to live in relationship with the living God and to be unified, humbled, in unity with God and with each other. And then the third thing that the gospel of freedom offers the sanctification. The process that makes you more and more and more like God. Not that you will become a God, but you would bear His image. The process that is a continual work until the day that you're with Him. Because you're not perfected until you're with Him. But in that, you have no excuse to keep sinning. No excuse to keep going your way. No excuse to keep acting like you were before Christ. There's a lot of people who believe they are saved and they're not. They're not. They have no evidence of fruit in their life of being born again. Of being born again. Of a new nature. Go to Proverbs chapter 13. We'll pick back up next week and walk you through the Bible. But I got some verses, short verses that I want you to get before you today. Proverbs 13. 
verse 20. <clears throat> says here, Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. The word of the Lord. Proverbs 13, verse 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. <laughs> Associate with fools and get in trouble. Fools in their heart say there is no God. We live how we want to live. We'll do what we want to do. We'll give God an hour or two on a Sunday, but we're going to live how we want. The rules are my rules. Huh. Fool. And the only things ahead of you is trouble. Destruction. May feel good for the moment. But oh, what you're sowing to, you will reap. Oh, forget karma. <laughs> the spiritual principle of truth is what you sow to, you reap. It's what the kingdom of God declares. Amen. You reap to the flesh. Oh, you'll get the flesh and you'll get the benefits of the flesh. But in the end, it's destruction. But walk with the wise. Walk with the righteous. Walk with those who are seeking the things of God, upholding the standards of God. And be wise. Be wise. Careful of what you're being entertained by. <laughs> Laughing and carrying on. And not letting it pierce your heart. Careful of who you're hanging around with and what you're doing. Because in the end, there's only two ways you're going. <laughs> there's a wide path that many are on. And then there's a narrow road. <laughs> the narrow road leads to Christ. The wide path leads to destruction, and many are on it. And Jesus himself knows the hearts of mankind. The creator, God, knew when he created mankind that the many would not turn to him. They will go their way. But there are those that have been predestined, those that he has foreknew who would belong to him. And these are the remnant of people that have been living on this earth from generation to generation to into our generation and the generation that will come that would declare the works of God in hopes that mankind would turn to the loving Savior. Listen, I know we like to paint the pictures. I've been saying that it's God who's stiff-arming. It's God who is mean and angry and he's got a problem. But that's not God. God is loving. God is compassionate. He is slow to anger. He laid his life down. He outstretched his arms. He took the punishment for you. It's you. It's us who have our arms outstretched against him saying, 
You're not God. Leave me alone. And so he turns you over. That's what the Word of God says. It's not a man-made story. How on earth could men write this? It was inspired by the Holy Spirit from the beginning to the end. Into our generation, we see prophecies being fulfilled. Everything that the Bible has said is coming to pass. Words that were written hundreds, thousands of years ago. We're living it. We're living it out. We're living it out. And it says it's just going to get worse on this earth. And that's why the church, we have to gather. We have to come together. We have to encourage each other. We have to edify each other. We have to build each other up. We have to worship our God and live for our God and serve our God and serve each other and serve others. The world is not our enemy. (laughs) We're not angry at the world. We remember we were once there. That's why we have compassion on them, to serve them, not to be like them. serve them. To offer hope to them. Not to walk like them. Not to walk like fools. Go to Galatians chapter 5 verse 13. Galatians 5 13. Remember You are what you allow. (laughs) What you allow around you, you become. As you think, the Bible says, so you go. So when you allow chaos around you, chaos becomes you. When you allow perversion around you, perversion overtakes you. When you allow ignorance around you, <laughs> ignorant you become. Why don't we turn from evil and do good? Why don't we start allowing truth to be around us? Because then when we will walk in truth. Why don't we seek for peace and, and then peace we will have? And, and why don't we seek for the joy and the fulfillment that is in Christ and in Christian fellowship. It doesn't mean that all your friends have to be Christians. No, they shouldn't. You should be out in the world, but you're not to be like them. I know everyone says, well, Jesus hung out with sinners as if to say that to excuse their sin while they're sinning with the sinners. Jesus hung out, but Jesus didn't become like them. He held up a standard, and when he was told to leave, he left. And when he was asked to stay, he stayed. They wanted to be around Jesus because there was something different about him. They weren't around him because he came like them. He didn't become a prostitute. He didn't become a drunk. He didn't become a sinner. 
But yet that's what we hear the generation say. That's what we hear people say. Well, Jesus hung out with the sinners as if that gives you the right to act like them. No. Be among the sinners, but be the light. No, I'm sorry. I don't go that way. No, I'm sorry. I don't have to talk that way. No, I don't have to act that way. No, I'm sorry. I can respect you if that's how you want to live. And I really enjoy being around you, but I'm sorry. I, I, I can't partake of that. And I can't yoke myself to it. We have to wake up. Look what it says here. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. The freedom that is in Christ, this new nature of who you are now, you're not living to satisfy your sinful nature. No, yet you're using it to serve one another. Listen, you all. The Bible says in the same chapter, in the same book, I should say, that the flesh and the spirit, they war against you. Inside, they're warring against each other. And you know how you're living by the fruit that's coming from your life. And that's why it gives you the list of all the works of the flesh. And then it gives you the list of the fruit of the Spirit. You know which one you're walking in. You're not deceived. You know. And those who walk in the flesh will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's not my thoughts. That's the word. And you say, but, but aren't I just a sinner? Before Christ, that's what you claimed. In Christ, you're adopted child of the living God. <laughs> you have to start seeing your new identity. It doesn't mean that you won't sin. <laughs> It just won't be habitual in your life. Because when you do sin, it grieves you like, oh, God. That movie Venom. I love the Spider-Man movie where that character comes. And that one scene where they're wrestling, I think it's in the bell tower. Like this creature just takes over. And reminds me of the struggle of sin. And it's a beautiful picture to see just how it just, just takes over. You give the enemy just a little foothold. And he's going to want to come in and just snatch you up. The flesh, the very nature that wants to rule you and to control you. If you are a Christian, you have power in Christ to reckon it dead. I've nailed those desires and those passions to the cross. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in and through me. There is power over sin and death. I don't have to, you don't have to, continue to remain enslaved to sin and to the sinful nature because you've been born again. If you're a Christian, and the fruit of the Spirit Love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, long-suffering is being produced in you more and more and more and more and more. It's the ways of God, you all. It's the way of freedom. And so we don't use the freedom that has been given to us to satisfy that sinful nature. It's still there. It just doesn't own you anymore. Again, what you allow, you become. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 15. How should we live? 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 through 15. So think clearly and exercise self-control. But I can't, God... You're right, you can't, but God can. And if you've been around me long enough, or if I've counseled you one-on-one, one thing I keep reminding you when I hear you say it is when you say, I can't. We all know that, so stop saying it. Your I can't should bring you to your knees to cry out for God to do within you what you can't do. Instead of making excuses to remain the same because I just can't. You never will. In and of your own self and in and of your own strength, you don't have what it takes to overcome the flesh. But Christ, when you remember that I am crucified with Christ, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ living in me. When you start claiming the truths of your new character, of your new nature, who are you now? If you're not who you used to be, then who are you? You've got to grow in that knowledge of who you are. You've got to realize how destructive your life was in your flesh. And realize that I have been given hope to be rebirthed, to be reborn. No, I can't climb back up in my mama. (laughs) But God, through his spirit, (sighs) births me afresh and anew. And I walk empowered by the Spirit of God. And I have a love and I have a desire for the things of God. I'm not hardening my heart. I'm not giving myself to the world. And I know this sounds foolish. If you're sitting here today and you're not a Christian, I know that all of this sounds crazy. Because I once was lost. And I remember being bored in church. (laughs) I remember hearing Christians, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I remember seeing other people who called themselves Christians, not living like Christ. I remember my father holding a form of religion, but denying the power of God. I saw Christians in my family I had friends who called themselves Christians 
and those in my family and the friends that I were around, they weren't Christians. They were just people who had a form of religion. There was nothing to offer me. They displayed no power, no, no transition from darkness to light. Oh, they could preach a good sermon and tell me how I ought to be living. But then I turn right around and they're living just as crazy as I'm living. They showed up to my parties. Got drunk, got high, and slept with half the people in the room. Friends and families. But come to church, Rob. Praise God, Rob. They had their Bibles open and marked. And yet, there was no difference. No difference. So I know what it is to be lost. To hear this being taught and preached and going, this doesn't make any sense at all. What kind of craziness is this? Okay, blah, blah, blah. When is he done? Oh, but wait, there's a day of coming for you. As it does with every man and woman and child. There's a day of coming when hard times come a-knocking. You hit rock bottom. You got nowhere else to look. And this very same God that has been with you from the beginning, he's there right there with you, and yet he's extending yet another opportunity Turn to me. Give your life to me. And I pray in that hour, as it happened for me, and as it happened with those others sitting in this room, that you would turn to him, that you would not turn to death ear yet again. Because listen, one thing you can rest assured and you can look back on is God has been with you every single day of your life, every single day of your life. He's been trying to reveal himself to you. He's been trying to say, come to me, come to me, come to me. But yet you kept resisting and resisting and resisting. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. No, you're not God. I'm going to do me. I'm going to live how I'm going to live. Gonna come a day. And the more that you harden yourself against him, the harder it becomes. <laughs> and then the other day you can rest assured is the day you take your last breath. It's coming to all of us. <laughs> and it's then. He's not an angry God, even then. He's a God that's going to love you enough to give you what you wanted. You didn't want me. See, God is without excuse. He's without fault. You can't find fault in God. No matter how mankind wants to try to find it, you can't find, if you know God, if you research Him, if you, if you study Him, there's no fault found in this loving God of the Christian faith. There's no fault. And at the end, He says, I'll give you what you desired. He turns you over. There's no changing his mind or yours. It's what you wanted. All can I do for those that are sitting here today that aren't saved, that aren't that, or that they pretend that they are saved, but they're really not. Either which way, you're apart from God. All I can do is hold up the word to you, and all I can do is just pray and hope that the Holy Spirit draws you to himself. Because that's the only way you understand this. 
All of a sudden, when I gave my life to Christ and I started reading his word, all of a sudden, things were just coming to me. Things of, of a revelation and understanding. All of a sudden, it all just makes sense. And of course, like it says here in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, so think clearly, Rob, and exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. The scriptures say, verse 16, you must be holy as I am holy. And you say, well, that's God. Surely that's not for me. But if you're a Christian, who's inside you? God, the Holy Spirit. And we are called to live a life that doesn't grieve him. We're called to live a life that he lives through us. So have your way, God. Have your way. Go to Acts chapter 22. Acts 22, verse 14 through 16. Acts 22, verse 14 through 16. Then he told me, Paul is saying this, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness telling everyone what you have seen and heard. Well, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and hear him speak. For you are to be his witness telling everyone what you have seen and heard. What are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. And this is the account, not just for here, but for today and the days to come. For those who would respond to Jesus. That Look at what it says here. The God of our ancestors... You were chosen of him. It's nothing you can conjure up. It's nothing you can do. You don't wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. No, no, no. It's a work that he begins in you. You respond to him. And in that response, you're to go bear witness to what he's done. Every day, you all. Not just when it feels right, but every day among your friends, among your co-workers, among your family. Out in public, you're to bear witness. Tell others of what he has done. Well, I don't know much about Jesus. You know what he's done in your life. 
You know how you once acted, and you know what he's working on inside of you. You don't have to wait to think, wait to think that you're perfect to come to him. You don't have to wait to think that you've got things right before you start sharing with others of what he's doing. Because even in the midst of your failures, you, they can watch your growth still. Don't let your failures, don't let the sin that so easily entangles you keep you back. No, the Bible says throw it off, get up, and walk afresh and anew, and tell others that they too can have that hope, that they too can live a life that is found in Christ. And then I love what he says here at the end. What are you waiting for? Some of you have heard the gospel over and over and over, and you may have responded. But for whatever reason, you haven't fully given yourself to Christ. What are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Baptism doesn't save you. <laughs> Calling on the name of the Lord saves you. But baptism is an outward expression of the death of the old man or woman and the new life of the new creation, new creation in Christ of the man and the woman. God has chosen you for this generation, that you would go and you would be the light in the darkness. Go to Psalm 57. Psalm 57, verse 10 and 11. Psalm 57, verse 10 through 11, that His glory would be made known throughout the earth. Psalm 57, verse 10 through 11, for your unfailing love is as high as the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. That should be the cry of a believer. That is your purpose for his kingdom and for his glory. Get up every day, dress in the armor that God has given us. Dress in the strength and the power that you have in Christ that has overcome sin and death. Tear down strongholds. Rescue those who are captive. Be the light that his glory may be known throughout the earth. Go to Hebrews. <laughs> Bouncing around today. Got a few more. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. <clears throat> Verse 19 through 25. It's by his death that Jesus opens up this new way that we can be in the presence of God. I told you all. There's something about being in the presence of God. 
There's something freeing and liberating when you're in the presence of God. The day that I was in my condo and I was considering the cost of following Jesus or keep living my life, when I was on my knees and I was crying out and I finally said, yes, God. (laughs) And as I was getting up, I felt as if there was just chains and bricks and heaviness just falling off of me. I can't explain it. I didn't understand it, but all I knew is in an instant, in an instant, there was a peace about me. There was a wholeness of, oh God, I was in my late 20s, and I have been, I was running ragged for many years of my life. I had no place, I didn't know where I was going or what was going to be next for my life, but what I knew... (laughs) As I did not want to trade who I found. And that peace to be in his presence. Finally. To be loved. To be whole. No longer addicted to drugs and alcohol and to sex and to anger and to all these things. (laughs) But finally. I can breathe. And that's why I protect what God has given me. That's why the chaos, I don't want around me. I'm tired of being lied to. But I know it's going to continue to happen. I know the chaos is going to be out there. But I'm not going to trade my peace in the presence of God just to go along with your ways it's too important and for too long that's what I've been doing is just trading it God is doing something within me about this ministry about what he wants to do with it where he wants to take it that we got to get ourselves together if this is where you're saying you're going to unite with Christ and unite with other believers then I need you to come in and be ready for where God is taking us I need you to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to plow your heart and for you to continue to seek his presence and to abide in Christ and saying, yes, God, you've brought me to yourself and you've brought me to a family that you want to use in this generation to boldly declare truth, to freedom to the captives. And so, dear brothers, it says here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 19 through 25. So, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest, who rules over God's house, that is, is go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. Not man, but God. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
that is spent of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. This this is the hope that we have in Christ, the call to persevere. He is the great high priest. By his blood, we now have access to the throne of God, to his very presence, to his very power to live right. Turn back to chapter 9 of Hebrews, verse 11 and 12. So Christ, it says, now became the high priest over all the good things that have come. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which is not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his own blood, not the blood of goats and calves, he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. That is the good news that we have as believers. Our God secured our redemption for us to be reconciled back to God, back to the Creator. It's not done by mere men's hands or the purpose of man. No, this is God's plan. This is God's purpose from the beginning to the end that He will have a people that He will call His own and in return they will call Him their God. That we will be in His presence for eternity. Nothing can compare. And we don't have to wait to heaven to experience it. No, you can live it here, even in the midst of a fallen world, even in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. You can live upright. Remember, sin is crouching at your door, and its desire is to master you, but you must master it. There is no other faith that teaches the wholeness of God. Gives you the plan of redemption to be drawn back to him and then to live for him. You have a purpose. You have a plan while there is still breath in your body. There's work to be done. Go to Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs 21. Verse 2, and then we're going to read verse 4, and then we're going to read verse 23. So Proverbs chapter 21. Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Listen to this nugget of wisdom. Verse 2. People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their heart. Verse 4. Haughty eyes and a proud heart and evil actions are all sin. And then verse 23. Watch your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Ways to live, to honor God. Knowing that God is examining your heart, He knows your motives. And yet He continually draws you to Himself. Are you abiding in Christ or are you rejecting Him? 
that's the only two ways. There's no other way. There's not a lukewarm way. There's not like, well, I'm going to keep my foot over here and my foot over here in hopes that I'm okay. No, 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 no. You're either cold, rejecting God, or you're hot, living for God. Jesus himself says, if you are lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Remember the wrath of God? I know, I know, I know. The popular teaching is not to talk about the wrath of God anymore. And somehow that was been done away with. No, the whole wrath of God is being stored up. What was done away with is the wrath hitting the believer. Because of Jesus, Christians are not going to experience the wrath of God. And the church and those who are saved should say, Amen! But those who aren't, those who are cold, those who are lukewarm, his wrath is being stored up. And it's not because he's an angry God. <laughs> he's a loving God. And to understand his love, you have to understand his wrath. And have to understand his wrath, you have to understand his love. Like, see, God has made provision for mankind not to endure his wrath. But there's a day of coming. And we ought not, as the church, be blinded. We ought to be prepared for it. And we're not to be afraid of it. Remember, remember, remember what we read weeks and weeks and weeks ago? That we're not to be afraid of his return. No, we're to be working towards it. If you're afraid of Christ's return, then you're afraid of his wrath. But if you're in Christ, and you abide in Christ, and you have his perfect love, perfect love drives out fear of God. Who? Why do I have to be afraid of him? When I abide in him, he loves me. He cares for me. I am his, and he is mine. He walks with me. He knows me. I know him. Do you have that certainty? Do, do, you, do you know that you know that you know that you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption? The Bible says you ought to know it. And if you're not, then my God, why aren't you on your knees? Oh, God. Yes, Lord. I am yours. I receive Christ as my Savior. Not waiting to be perfect, but even right where you're at. God, I want, I want to know that security that is found only in Christ. That I will not continue to go my way. But that God, I would honor you. Go to John chapter 8, verse 12. Oh, to know the love of God, you all. To abide in that love, to abide in his presence. Even in the moments of failure, even in those moments of doubt, I've shared with you all many years ago. There's been seasons in my life when I've wanted to walk away from God. There's been seasons in my life where I'm like, no, no, this is stupid. I don't want you. There were seasons when I lifted up my fist to him and said, you have screwed up my life. I didn't ask for you. You could have just let me die and go to hell. Leave me alone. Leave me alone. 
And I went out and I did crazy things. Crazy things. I thought I was dirty all those years. And one night, I doped myself to many different men in a dark tunnel and a dark room. I was drunk and stoned out of my mind. And I hated God. Oh, no, this is after I left my whole life. This is after I'm living for Him. I hated Him. He screwed up my life. And look where I was. Look where I was. Do you see what your life is apart from Christ? Where else could I have gone? But to the depths and the depths of darkness. Where else could you go? Back to the drugs, back to the drinking, back to the craziness, back to the anger, back to whatever it was that defines you. But praise be to God, he didn't leave me there. Oh, he could have. Oh, he could have. He wouldn't say, oh, Rob, you're a big man. Oh, he could have. But his love. The next day when I woke up, are you finished? That's what I heard in my heart. Are you finished? Did you find what you were looking for? Oh, God. And that separation, like, oh, God. Don't take your spirit from me. Don't take your peace from me. Don't take your presence from me. Oh, God, I'm sorry. years later, I'm at another place in my life. God, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. I started planning my exit. My little bag was already packed. I was waiting for Gilda to go to sleep. I'm walking out my bedroom door. God, I am done with all of this. I've been hurt. I've been abused. I've been lied to. I've had people wanting to kill me. I've had people sent out to destroy me. No, this isn't fun, God. No, I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm going to take my life back. And I've shared this with you before. This isn't nothing new. And as I was putting my hand towards my bedroom door, God spoke. Where are you going? No, God, please leave me alone. Let me go. Just let me go, please. What are you doing living, Rob? You're a dead man, remember? And then as I'm feeling the Spirit of God just speak to me, I'm like, oh, God, your peace. Like, oh, God. Like, God, there's nothing like you. myself to sleep. I crawled back in bed. Oh God. There is nothing like him you all. He doesn't give up on you so easily as much as we give up on him. He doesn't give up on you. He doesn't. 
So why would we continue to reject him? Like his love. Look at this here. John 8, verse 12. (coughs) Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Because you will have the light that leads to life in Christ. It's the only place to find it. You're not going to find that light anywhere else. Yes, you may feel darkness at times when situations just come in and you're pressed up against and you're not sure how on earth you're going to survive. But it's in those times that you cling to your faith in Christ and to his promises. God, you say you are the light of the world. And that I can have that light that leads to life. And that this present circumstance does not have to define me. But that God, I can trust you. And I'm going to cling to you with everything that I have. Because no weapon forged against me shall prosper. I am more than a conqueror. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Do you know what your problem is? You don't know the word. You don't know how to use the sword. And the more that you go towards the things of this earth, the further you're going to go from Christ. He is the light. Go to Psalm 39. After this, two more scriptures. Psalm 39, verse 4 through 5. Psalm 39, verse 4 through 5. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you at best. Each of us is but a breath. Oh, that that would be my prayer, not only for myself, but for all of us. That God will remind you how brief your time on this earth is. You're here today and gone tomorrow. (laughs) That you would remember that your days are numbered. That you're nothing but a breath. (sighs) Here today, gone tomorrow. What are you living for? Who are you living for? What are you desiring? Stop mocking the things of God and start living for God. This earth is madness. And I told you earlier, you want to look at what's going on, especially in our nation? It's a fight against God. It's not a fight against the president. It's not a fight against the Supreme Court justice. It's not a fight against this or that. It's a fight against God. People want to live how they want to live. Do you know what's provoking all of this anger? 
is they want to live their lives apart from God. And yet God is moving in a way that He's awakening people. There's a move that's taking place within our nation, especially among the, the youth, the generation, where there's a youth of generation that are, that's coming up and saying, wait a minute, we're not going that way anymore. No, we're going after God. No, we're just not going to give ourselves to, to anyone and to everyone. No, we want to be pure, yet though there is such a force against it that says, no, just be who you want to be, act how you want to be. There's no gender. There's nothing. There's nothing. We're going to rewrite everything. We're going to rewrite history. And yet there's, there's, a, there's a resistance coming up and saying, no, that's not the way we're going. And people are comparing it to the next civil war. It's not going to be about race issues. And there's going to be a line drawn. And I've seen the, the, the so-called Christians that want to be like, oh, I'm just going to hug and love everyone. Oh, I'm just going to be, you know, nice and quiet. I don't want to give an opinion because I don't want to. No. Jesus himself said, either you are for me or you are against me. And Jesus himself said, do you think I came to this world to bring peace? Oh, no, 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 no. I came to divide. That's Jesus' words. Unless I keep hearing people get up on television and tell me about this weird hugs and muffin Jesus. Makes them out to this weird hippie guy that's oh it's just oh it's just love. It's just, you know, oh that's not Jesus. He's, he's no what? That's not the Jesus of the Bible. Jesus himself said, I came to divide. <laughs> Family members against family members. This kind against that kind. You're either for me or you're against me. This is a generation that we're in. This is a generation that's coming. The Western church is trying to find her identity. The Eastern church, they already know their identity and they're being killed for it. Ha ha ha, think of that. The Western church is what you see if you open up your spiritual eyes. That is what's happening. You have one half of the world who knows their identity in Christ. It's all Jesus. It's everything of Jesus. I'm not giving up for Jesus. And they're being killed. They're being slaughtered. They're being chased out of their cities and out of their towns. And you want to sit here with a sourpuss look in your face. Oh, oh I gotta go. It's just no, it's crazy. And the church in the West, she can't even stand. Oh, but there's a movement. <laughs> there are, there's, a, there's something happening in the West where churches are getting up and pastors are being emboldened. Yes. And we're saying, no more, Paul, no more. We are claiming Christ and his kingdom and his purpose. And watch what happens to the church here in the West. Watch what happens. It's already happening to the north of us in Canada. Preachers can't preach the gospel anymore. Watch what's happening. Watch. If you're not a Christian and you're just here, just, just look what's going on. You think I'm wrong? You think I'm crazy? Like, just open your own eyes and look. You don't even have to be a Christian to see what's going on. Do we not understand it? The Eastern Church, 
I know the West has been proud to look over at the eastern side of the world and be like, oh, we have to go over there and we have to share the gospel. And many years we did. <laughs> and the seeds that were planted by those missionaries and the people who gave their lives are coming forth. It's harvesting. It's harvest time. People in the east are waking up. They're waking up. And now they look towards the West and they have a heart to come here to preach the gospel. I say, Jesus, send them to us. Send those radical people that are willing to bow their knees, chop off my head. You're not taking me from Jesus. Send those people here because I want them here. I want you to know them. I want you to experience what they're saying. Unless, oh, he's just a crazy man. Listen, I'm going to say it again. If you're not here to be here, don't ever come back. And I say that with love. I say that with love. If you're not here to learn about Jesus, and all you want to do is go to church, I can tell you there's so many churches up along this road. Go. Be free. Be free. <laughs> but this fellowship from this day forward, we're moving on with Christ. And those who want to go that way, then I say, come join me. Those who don't, then go your way. It doesn't matter. Say what you want. Do what you want. Live how you want. I pray to God you find a fond fellowship for you. But I'm tired. All these years gathering. I want to know who's been fighting with me in prayer for this fellowship. I want to know who's been on their knees crying out to God for us. The majority of you have talked nothing but trash about this place and about God. And yet you're comfortable coming up in here and just sitting. With your smirky little face and your attitudes. And I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. I will not be worn down and exhausted any longer. I'm ready to move on. I'm ready to press in because there is work to be done. There is work to be done. I'm not expecting any of you to be perfect. But what I am expecting is that you love God and that you want to honor God and that you want to be transparent before God and before man. That you want to know what it is to live like a Christian and to act like a Christian and to love like a Christian. I say, God, please, God, help us. Remind us how brief our time is. Bring forth those missionaries from the east and invade our land with truth. I pray that we will start crying out as they cried out for missionaries to come. That God, we need to move, a revolutionary move in our nation. Go to John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, 
you cannot see the kingdom of God. These are Jesus' words. He's not looking for you to have a form of religion. He's telling us you must be born again. There is a transition from darkness to light, from hatred to love, from addiction to freedom. It's available in Christ to be born again, afresh and anew. Remember the people that were warned of, and I keep telling you this, the people that you were warned of not to associate with are people who call themselves Christians and don't live like one. Those people you're told not to even have dinner with, don't even eat with them. They're bad news. They make a mockery of Christ. They make a mockery of His blood. And you sitting with them, you're uniting yourself with them. It's time that we raise up and we stand up and we say no more foolishness. Like God have your way among us. The last verse of today, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God so loved the world. The plan of redemption is important to God. And if it's what is important to Him, should it not be important to us? God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. And as we've been walking through the Bible... And I told you the whole reason why I started walking through the Bible and going the way we're going is because I want us to get deeper into God. I want us to know our Christ. I want us to understand who He is and how we're to respond. I want you to know who you are. I want the church to know her identity as the bride of Christ. I want us to begin to impact our world, to impact our our nation, to impact our city, to impact our neighborhoods, our workplaces, our schooling, because there's an awakening taking place. Yet though there's an incredible war going on in the heavenly realms, there's an awakening taking place in the hearts and lives of people. And people are open to spiritual conversations. And you ought to be the light in their life instead of hating on them, instead of talking about them, instead of pulling away from them and being so easily offended by them. Grow up. Grow up. I want to challenge you this week. This verse, for God so loved the world, I want you to replace the world with The name of someone that you have a grudge towards. The name of someone that you have an issue of forgiving. The name of someone that you just can't stand. For God so loved... Change the world to that person's name. For God so loved who? you have a name? Do you have many names of people? And you say, well, what's the purpose of doing that? Because hopefully then you would stop being so nasty to them. And you would realize that if they were important to God, 
to lay down his life, it has to be important to you. If you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, whatever. Live however you want. Do whatever you want. Hate whoever you want. It doesn't matter. It's your choice. You know the ways of the flesh. You've heard it today. It just leads to destruction. And if that's what you choose, then I love you enough to say, hey, God loves you enough. He'll turn you over to it. But for those who are calling yourselves Christians in this place, and you still have issues with people, then start applying the word to your life. And this is a great scripture to apply. For God so loved who? I used this scripture for my dad. Before the years of my dad and I being reconciled together, and our relationship becoming so beautiful, and I love that man, and I miss him, but before I could go and visit to him, I had to spend time on my knees. God, you love my dad. For God so loved my dad that he gave his one and only son. It didn't happen overnight. But there was a day that came that was so broken. Like, oh God. I love him too. I love him too. And I had to come to a place of the people who abused me when I was a kid sexually. I had to come to a place where I had to get on my knees and I had to cry out for God so loved them. It doesn't change what they did to me. It didn't make it right. It doesn't take everything away. But what it does is it heals me. He healed me. <clears throat> That's applying God's word. You have to apply God's word. You just can't be a hearer of it. It does nothing for you. You just remain a natural person, bound by the flesh. That's all you know. You just give in to your desires. But when you begin to believe, when you begin to have faith in Jesus... When you begin to accept him and you allow the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to reveal to you God's truth, you hunger for his word to apply it because you are a new creation. I'm not to live how I used to live. I am a new creation. And the Bible says, don't be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Don't be like that man that looks in the mirror and then turns around and forgets what he looks like but to be able to apply God's word. So I've given you a practical, applicable scripture. You've been given a lot, but today I give you the last one. Go apply it this week with sincere faith. God, equip me and prepare me for this generation to love. To love. I want to know how you love God. Do that in me. Do that in us, God. I'm going to close this with this last song. And then I'll close this in prayer.
you 